Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, and that, of course, means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, <laughs> Roy White, at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB, and of course, you can follow all the great content on bloggingtheboys.com and at bloggingtheboys on the Twitter sphere. And Tom, we have entered another exciting month of the NFL calendar. We get one of these every month, an NFL event. It's what keeps us coming back every single time. And sure enough, the NFL draft is now upon us as we enter into the month of April. And taking a look at what the Cowboys may be doing, it kind of feels like we're in cruise control and player evaluation mode until the draft is over. You know, we thought initially wave and wave and wave might come when it comes to NFL free agency, but it felt to me and correct me if I'm wrong on this. It felt to me like one singular wave kind of came and went and everything else has been the tide, just small, small maneuvers. And now basically nothing is going on, which seems to be, not just a Cowboys thing. It's It seems very quiet around the league. You may have one or two signings pop up. Most of the things that are happening seem to be re-signings. Uh, you know, people being brought back uh, and making us realize why Stephen Jones was never going to touch these things with a 10-foot pole because they're big deals usually coming along. But for the... <sighs> The, the third tier, so to speak, free agencies with free agents, which is, I think, where we're mostly down to, uh, that looks like it may not hit until after the draft, not just for the Cowboys, but maybe for many teams, as they're kind of just going to wait and see and, and looking around, they figure, well, everybody that's there now is mostly going to be there after the draft picks are made. So then figure out if you've got something you weren't uh, satisfied with that you addressed in the draft and go out and get your depth players or, you know, even someone maybe say to compete for a left guard position in, in Dallas uh, after the draft is done with. Uh, and so it makes for a kind of a dull time leading up to the draft. You know, you can talk on, you can talk a lot about various prospects with the knowledge that the Cowboys are only going to get nine of them right now based on the current draft picks they have. And most of the people you dig in and look into, if you're a real draft nick, which I'm not, but most of those people are going to wind up on other teams. So, um, you know, we're, we're just sitting here holding our breath, twilling our thumbs, uh, 
waiting to see what's going to happen uh, with the draft being the, the, the big event coming up. And, you know, it's going to be a big time as you know, we're, we're live streaming during the draft of blogging the boys. So I hope people come over and join us there on, on YouTube. Yet it's, there's still a chance for some real intrigue coming up and we've seen it happen before. The Cowboys do kind of like to do some trading during the draft, moving back, moving up. And this is a very interesting year for it because they've got nine draft picks. They're fairly low in the draft order, which is ties in with the current draft group this year uh, in a certain way. Cowboys are at 24, and there is a good chance that all of the so-called blue-chip players, the ones that are legitimate first-round picks, are going to be gone, uh, particularly at any position they might be interested to, to spend a, a first-round pick on. So that means if they want to – they've got two choices. They could try to get a true first-round talent by trading up, which I don't see them doing this year. Or maybe they can find someone to trade back out of the first round. Uh, you know, that's that's the big one. You know, the first round or moves involving first round picks are always what moves the needle. And, you know, I talked about this. The Cowboys may be, this may be a year where uh, Jerry Jones puts, out that, puts on that old trader Jerry hat and, and goes out there and starts looking around. Of course, you know, Stephen Jones will actually be doing all the nitty-gritty work about, you know, haggling with people about what they can give. And it's one thing to talk about the fact they could do it, but what could they actually get for it? And that's something that I've, I've put together, something that should be going up shortly after this podcast is live that, that gets into. And... I looked at one of the trade value calculators out there, the one at a calculator soup, which admittedly uses what I think is basically the old Jimmy Johnson uh, trade value chart. Uh, and that's kind of what I, I did want to touch on that for a second. I mean, all these calculations based on which draft value chart, are we using yeah. the old Jimmy Johnson draft value chart or are we using one that, you know, has, been popularized it, just in the last couple of years i believe uh drafttech.com is kind of where this this originally wound up or where i found it but it's referred to as the rich hill um version of of draft trade charts and he what he tried to do is take some of the most recent trades that have taken place in the nfl draft the bigger trades involving draft picks and assign a value that he believed nfl teams were more represented representative of using and in general he scaled down the amount of points that was being used in general right so the separation mm -hmm. you know there's a different variance there a different percentage that he's dropping on a on a pick-to-pick -pick basis that jimmy johnson was not but i think in general hill's version is more accurate to what teams are associating draft picks and their values today. So I just wanted to touch base yeah. on that because we'll come back to that. And so, yeah. And the thing is that not all teams are using the same thing. They apparently pretty much nowadays have their own 
particular set of numbers and they're yeah. not exactly advertising what they're using. So this is, a, you know, a, an approximation, but I think it keeps it at least somewhat realistic. Because ideally, if I was, if I was generating an ideal one internally, I would want it to be somewhat reflective of the value of the draft that we're in, right? Where is the high value talent? Is there a lot of depth at certain rounds? Is there a lot of, you know, is there a, a, a slew of players that could be considered quote draftable players or Mm -hmm. are there maybe only four rounds worth of guys that are like that? Because that draft and those picks presumably would have less value depending on, yeah. you know, the year and the evaluation. But that's, you know, that's minutia that but, I'm fascinated but, by. And I hope the listeners that listen to this podcast are fascinated. But it's, by. it's very pertinent because the Cowboys have already tipped their hand that they actually are looking at basically draftable players lasting until maybe the end of the sixth round. Uh, you know, Mike McCarthy said they were looking at like maybe – 220 draftable players, which to me says, okay, here's a player we think has a shot, a real shot at sticking on the roster and not just getting released at the end of training camp. And uh, that, you know, how does that affect your values? Uh, Add into the fact that while the first round talent pool is seen as rather shallow, the, uh, you know, the second round talent, third round talent seem rather deep according to the way teams are viewing them. So how does that affect your internal numbers? And I don't really know, but you got to have some kind of a framework for reference. So you just aren't going out there coming up with just absolutely silly things. So I wanted to know, since I'd been speculating a little bit about the Cowboys wanting to do some trading uh, in a previous article, I wanted to see if I could find maybe a couple of plausible examples. And I came up with two. Um, the thing I was looking for is, okay, what's a team that really is in some kind of a rebuilding mode that really might want to go up and get a, a, a sure bet in their minds or that has a really burning need they have to go after and they start getting worried about their, uh, their board getting depleted of that position before they go on at their current place. Um, and they're, they're both teams that are not that far back uh, both would require the Cowboys to trade out of the first because when I looked at the uh, teams behind the Cowboys in the first, there wasn't anybody that jumped out as really needing to move up a handful of spots. So the first one I came up with is the New York Jets. You know, they've been in a rebuilding mode since I think the 20th century, basically. And they still are trying to get it right. Um, they apparently don't think they have to be in the market for a quarterback at this point. Uh, they're probably going to roll with what they've got. And, but they have a, they hold pick 35, which is just after, you know, pretty close to the beginning of the second round. And if they were to package that with pick 69 in the third, uh, and they could trade that to Dallas with Dallas maybe having to throw in uh, a, a one or two of their fifth rounders to kind of balance out the value in their minds. Mm-hmm. That would give the Cowboys, you know, double picks in the second and double picks in the third, where I think they are really looking at it. And 
when I went and looked at, okay, what does that do to the big need for the Cowboys? And another thing that the Cowboys have not been at all coy about, they are probably going to be looking to upgrade the offensive line with the initial pick they make in the draft. And if you look at big boards, I looked at both draft techs and the one at CBS Sports just to make sure that there wasn't a, a huge outlier. If, if the draft falls anywhere at lot, anywhere in line with the way they've got the talent stacked up, the Cowboys could still have a good shot at some really good offensive line players, including possibly both Zeon Johnson uh, and uh, a Green out of Texas A&M. Um, and if they get him plus pick up an up to draft pick, that would be great. Well, the extra third round pick would allow them to maybe address what looks to be like deep classes at wide receiver, uh, get a good quality uh, inside linebacker uh, to, to come in and, and give them something behind Lake Vanderish. Uh and, uh, you know, they could also maybe find a good edge because there seems to be some depth in all of those those positions in the draft based on what I'm seeing out there. Now, I agree with um, – first of all, I actually – I love that proposal. Uh, checks out on the Rick Shield draft board. You're looking at the Cowboys' point value at pick 24 of 237 points. The Jets, they're in the second round at pick 35. That pick was worth 170 and their third round pick is worth about 70 points. So they're at about 240 there. We're at about 237. Hey, if you want to throw in a fifth to get the deal done, I'm okay with it. My question for you is personally, you're going to be anchoring the coverage for almost five hours of the first round there on the Blog mm. of the Boys YouTube page. No. I'm you're only going to be a part for, of that. I'm only signed up for a couple hours, for an okay. hour right now. I, I may be doing more because we're still getting people lined up and I left a lot of spots blank because I don't like to hog the airtime, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I've, I I'm to trying get to that. get, I might, need to, I might need to get some, I might need to hog up some airtime on that. I might need to hit up. You need to, man, you need to come join us. You need to get, get on, on the live stream with us. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'd love to draft night. That'll be fun. Actually. I'll let, I'll let RJ know I'm in for that, but that being said, yeah. right. If I'm doing the coverage and they trade that first round pick, I expect the venom, the fury from Cowboys Nation to be incredible. I don't know if people will be thrilled about them moving back for a second, excuse me, for a second and a third rounder. And quite honestly, I love the move. Adding two mm -hmm. seconds, having two thirds. A fourth yeah. this year, still potentially three, if not four, fifth-round draft picks remaining, and knowing that they've got compensatory picks lined up next season as well with the loss of mm -hmm. Randy Gregory and the two Seawills, Connor Williams and Cedric Wilson. They've got a fourth and two-six coming for the loss of all those players, and as we just spoke about, it's highly unlikely they make any signings before that compensatory equation is set in stone and the penalties for signing free agents expires. So with that being said, I love that move. I just don't know how Cowboys Nation would feel about it. Perhaps we're more refined than I give us credit for. Perhaps we're able to step away and see the big picture, but yeah, it's it, sometimes difficult to convince the fan base 
that second and third rounders may not have the same impact as first rounders, even though, you know, if we don't have a first round pick, whoever's taken first and the second gets treated like a first. Yeah. And it's, it's what's going to be bad is that they're going to have overnight to stew in it. If the Cowboys were to move out of the first round, because they, they won't find out who they're actually getting uh, till I guess, what, what is that about 16, 18 hours later? Yeah. Uh, Ooh, but so, I actually, because of that, I love it more. Yeah. I love it more. <laughs> yeah. Because if Stir up the fire. Bingo. Because if there's players out there that teams are looking at and going, oh, my gosh, there's five guys that I would take, and there the Cowboys are pick 35, three picks into the second round. That's potentially a lot of calls that they could be fielding again, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe next year. You pick up a an, another second rounder. It's yeah, it's 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 interesting. Or maybe they could even involve the the next team I've got listed because the other possible trade out of the first round uh, that I came up with involved the Seattle Seahawks, who you know pretty much have gone into a a real rebuilding mode with Russell Wilson gone. Now they already they hold the ninth overall pick which is probably going to be where they try to replace Wilson, I think. Uh, it's hard to see they can. Quarterbacks are just that important. Teams overdraft quarterbacks all the time, and I don't think they have much choice than to try to plug that particular hole. But with all the needs, there may be somebody in coming up uh, around that 24 spot that they feel like they've got to have. Uh, so they currently hold two second round picks at 40 and 41. So if they're going to trade with someone, uh, you know, the, the two are very close, but I just used 40 uh, for my example, since the Cowboys would probably tell them what they were going to likely to do. And the Seahawks would have an idea whether they were willing to let that go or whether they wanted to offer 41 instead. But if they paired one of those with pick 72 in the third then that would work out uh, uh, just pretty much straight up on the, uh, the chart that they used at uh, Calculator Soup. It was like, I think, within 10 points, it was real close. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Rick Shale one has it about, about 20 points apart, but even still, we're close, right? Seattle at pick 40. Yeah. 149 in their third round or 67. And I like targeting 
these teams in the second and third rounds that have multiple picks, right? Mm-hmm. Seattle, who has two second round picks, Chicago, who has two second round picks, Atlanta, who has two second round picks, albeit their later second round pick comes at, you know, around 58. So it's a little bit yeah. closer to a third than it is a second. Yeah. I, I did look at the bears briefly, but I, I, it seems to me that they've already traded off some of their later picks. I'm not sure, but I didn't see anything that really looked like a good fit there. But I could have just overlooked something there, too, because you can throw so many things together in these draft options and really find yourself just going round and round in circles. Uh, that, of course, you know, going to 40 rather than 35, that puts you five spots deeper in the draft and – to me, that's going to be one that I think if the Cowboys were to decide they wanted to pull the trigger on that, they'd have to be almost 224 in the draft order to see what's there and feel, get a feel for the risks because that's getting uh, you know a little bit more worrisome. But once again, it all depends on the needs of what teams are likely to do and, and you know, our, our team's going to be looking for a guard or, you know, we know that they're going to be looking at tackle because that's seen as a much higher value spot, but still maybe there's a tackle the Cowboys would be willing to take, especially a guy that's seen as having position flexibility because they've got to be looking ahead to uh, the end of Tyron Smith's career. And they have to maybe want to get some more insurance in for Terrence Steele, make sure that that's going to work out. Okay. So I, I like I like the, those two. They kept the Cowboys very early in the second. Uh, it gives them all night to sit there and uh, strategize how they're going to handle the pick and what what the the possible scenarios are at that point. So I I think that would those are things that could be done. And as we said, it denies them a day one pick. But I'm not too sure the latter third of the draft is or latter quarter of the draft is what we're actually talking about for the Cowboys is actually a place where it matters as much as it does in some years, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I just, I really just think that that's something that is definitely on the plate just because of where the Cowboys come and start. And don't forget the Cowboys have turned some trade backs and some pretty good players in fairly recent history. Uh, they got Travis Frederick, uh, a, a, pick that was widely mocked and had he not become ill he would probably be on a hall of fame trajectory right now because he was that good at center don't forget they traded back a couple of picks before they took michael parsons so they have reason to think they can pull something off and and come up with a win for the for the roster so well this is the type of thing that you know the Cowboys have been blasted for allowing their own to walk this off season. And I get it. I think in some cases that's, you know, been fairly well earned, but when we step back from it, if this were the new England Patriots and Bill Belichick, and he was allowing players to walk perhaps early and gathering compensatory picks as a result of it, and finding himself in a draft now as they are this season with four picks in a singular round, and that gives them maneuverability, right? Mm-hmm. And if they move some of those assets into the future 
to stockpile picks as well, we would be praising them in normal circumstances if it wasn't for the way that the season ended and the way that this offseason has played out. Am I wrong there? Well, as as a matter of fact, Bill Polachek was the one that kind of proved the fact that you're, you're better off letting a player go a year too soon than hanging on to them a year too long. Yeah. In fact, going back to something you said earlier in the pod and, and I, you were, you were going, so I didn't want to jump in in the middle of it, but there was a point that I, that I kind of wanted to touch on. And that was that when these, you know, excellent players, um, gosh, darn it. Uh, I completely lost myself. I, I'm so sorry. Tom, uh, just a, just brain, a side note, brain, brother. Yeah, just a side note to the listeners. We're a lot more polite once we're actually recording than we are. We're talking one on one before and after the show. Yeah, no, indeed. No, what, what I was saying was uh, a, a, it was a point that you were making earlier in the pod about the waves and about us not really having the great players available anymore. And, and I wanted to say to that, well, there are there are actually several high end free agents that are available. But because of Belichick's influence around the league, more teams have decided to play this game of waiting until the compensatory draft pick process expires to then start addressing some of these deals. I mean, I can name a dozen free agents right now that probably by the time they sign deals will wind up getting eight to ten million dollars or more. Yeah, and those are all players that the Cowboys aren't going to sign. That's just well, I don't disagree with that, right? I I don't mention them to say that the Cowboys have any chance of signing these Mm -hmm. guys. I do mention them though to say that other teams are wising up to this strategy. Yeah, and it's has has populated. And those you know high value free agents that are remaining don't impact. Dallas's calculation much because they're looking at the other ones that are still likely to be there. And as soon as that compensatory formula is no longer applicable, then you know the Cowboys are going to be on the phone with whoever they think they still need to get. So yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like it it's we just as much as we hate it, we're going to have to be patient to see what else develops. Yeah. Now we've talked we've talked about the trade back scenario. Uh, the other the other option is a trade up, and here's where that fifth round really gets your attention. Because, like I said, they got four fifth rounders. Um, it would be real easy, I would think. Maybe I'm overstating it, but it seems to me if you were to package like pick one fifty five and then one sixty seven, that could get you up somewhere in the vicinity of 120 moving up into the, the fourth round. Uh, and a, a team that I would look at for that would be maybe the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, they've got a pretty depleted roster right now. Uh, well, at least I think so. They've signed a whole lot of their own people, but they're going to need – because of what they've had to do, massaging their cap, they're going to need some some of them cheap draft picks rather than go out and try to even sign the low-cost uh, free agents. So that might be particularly attractive to them. Uh, 
And in that same range, you've got the Jets, the Cleveland Browns, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the KC Chiefs, all of whom might be interested in maybe getting something a little bit higher or get, uh, getting something back in the fifth round uh, just to get them an extra body without being terribly conversant with how their roster stack. They're just teams that I think you'd want to make a call to and say, hey, we, we kind of like to move into where you are in the fourth. Uh, we've got these all these fifth-round picks sitting around. Uh, would you take a couple of them? Uh, because, you know, I think you know, the fourth round may have maybe a bit of a sweet spot this year. Uh, because of the, the fact that they seem to think there's so many draftable players. And inevitably, there's going to be someone on your board that lasts longer than, than you would have thought. Uh, that's just because every team has its own needs, its own evaluations, its own perspectives. And so that might be a place where the Cowboys might be wanting to pull a trigger. And nobody's going to gripe about the trading a couple of fists to move up into the fourth. Um, you know, and that still would give them eight draft picks, uh, even if they didn't pick up one with an earlier trade back. And if they had an extra pick from a trade back, then I would be all for trading up. I can't see any objections to trading up out of the fifth. So, you know, and you've even got a six round pick to throw in there to sweeten things if you, if you needed to. Yeah. So, I mean, the possibilities just, uh, as those picks get going, and I fully expect them to trade at least one, if not two or three of those fifth round picks by the time we get to that point, because, I mean, if you can churn, say, two of those into a fourth, now you've got two fourths and you can churn that into something of significance, maybe a late third. And now you're looking at two thirds like um, I know it obviously it doesn't necessarily work that easily. Right. Mm -hmm. But by moving up and and adding value where you can, right? Really, in some cases, just within the draft chart, right? Taking mm -hmm. advantage of those opportunities where a team may want to jump back in but doesn't have a pick for a while. So you maybe get them to stretch into next season and say, hey, you know, we'll take something sweet in this round or the round before next year in exchange for your opportunity to get back to the guy that you evaluated well this season. And it'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys – approach that i fully expect them to to have maybe multiple trades uh, and that's that's this that's thing. something to watch for if they are making trades with those fifth rounders real early like on day one or, or early on day two that could be the chance uh, a shot at them trying to make a, a, a like a double move uh up like you yes. said, to get up more up into the third and fourth rounds. So that would be a way they might be tipping their hand as to what they're doing uh, rather than waiting until it gets into the fourth round and then trying to move those two fists. If they were to move them, you know, maybe even do something before the draft starts and look for this to be a whole lot of activity. Uh, you know, they could fool us and just stand pat, but you brought up the whole idea of trading for – uh, picks uh, in 2023 and as for those that may not be familiar the general rule of thumb is if you trade a pick this year you expect to get back around higher the next year so yeah maybe trading a fifth now for a fourth in 2023 would make a lot of sense especially if you haven't done anything else i'd really 
think that might be something you might want to address. Which again would find... give you three fourths next season because you get the compensatory yeah. pick in addition to your own fourth round pick. I mean, this is where I think, you know, that compound interest effect that Belichick and the Patriots enjoyed for so long that they kind of, it feels like that they continue to reap, right? Which is mm-hmm. by always accumulating draft picks they always have a little bit of extra equity to play with no matter what draft we're talking about when it comes to the patriots they always have the leverage to be able to move up move back and they take advantage of that right when when there's a spot to just move back you know six spots for a fifth round pick the following year they'll take that opportunity hopefully the cowboys are imploring that kind of strategy but you've said something a couple times now tipping their hand Right. The Cowboys have tipped their hand that they, you know, believe there's six rounds worth of draftable players. They could potentially be tipping their hand in the trade market if they make some of these moves before we get to draft night. It got me thinking about another way they might be potentially tipping their hand. And this has more to do with their long term plans. Mm -hmm. Tom. If the Cowboys willingly sacrifice assets in the 2022 draft to give themselves more, call it grocery shopping opportunities in 2023, does that tip their hand at all? Do we have anything to read into that as to them wanting to give a larger potential grocery list for a new grocery buyer in Sean Payton? versus Mike McCarthy? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an inevitable thought, although I will say that it might not really be Sean Payton that's the guy that they would actually be going for. I still... I, I, Are you I, breaking news here? No. I just, I just think that if they, they might be more likely to be looking at promoting Dan Quinn, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, if that was what was to come along, if, if he was, a, now, I don't know how you handle that. You know, how do you go to Dan and have, or have they already and said, like, look, <laughs> would you take it if we moved on from Mike? Because I don't think they would, you know, I think they would probably want to know where they, they stood there, but it, it's, it's a thought that forces its way into your head. Uh, what are they really setting up for? Because in, in essence, they're taking a little bit of ammunition away for Mike McCarthy's season and putting it into the 2023 season. Now, the great irony would be if Mike McCarthy just went storming through the playoffs this year and they wound up having to keep him, which is what I'm secretly hoping for. But, uh, you know, and then just just because I, I, I believe that Mike McCarthy takes a lot of unjustified criticism uh and i we think criticized he, him i mean we criticized him a lot tom you and i yep. um, we do criticize him and i defended but, i mean there were some times where we defended him as well but you know we gave him criticism that was was fairly earned on his part and some of the mm-hmm. criticisms that have been lobbied against him quite honestly don't appear to have been addressed now in year 3 of his head coaching tenure. Yeah, but, you know, it's the proof is going to be in what they do this season. And I don't know if I have the, you know, I, 
but don't let me rephrase that. I absolutely cannot tell you definitively what happened at the end of the year with the Cowboys, whether that was something under McCarthy's control or not, whether, you know, is, is Kellen more of the problem? Was Dak Prescott struggling more than we realized with, with his own leg issues and stuff? Uh, what was going on with Amari Cooper? Uh, which is the, the, the team seems to think that that Coop didn't show up on all on, on all the plays. That that's certainly seems to be a perception they held. Um, yeah, were they perception that they've sold us all on now? All of a sudden that he's gone and they gave him up for peanuts. I want to I want to point that out. We didn't hear yeah. much about Amari's disgruntled factor while he was a cowboy, but the minute he's out the door, as they often do, and when I say often, they do it every time. The yeah, dirty they, laundry comes out the minute a cowboy is out the door. Though oh, it came out it came out months before he was out the door when Stephen Jones started dropping his not so subtle little hints that they might have to move on from Cooper. Mm-hmm. He was also hinting about Demarcus Lawrence. Thankfully that worked out. But uh um I, I I, I like I said, I don't have the answers, and there's a part of me, if for nothing else, than to spite people who have just been so negative, and to a certain extent, maybe the Jones family themselves. I would like to see McCarthy get it together and, and get this team rolling. Uh, that would just uh, that would just be a fun thing for me. Maybe not everybody agrees, but then you know we don't expect everybody to agree with us here. Well, it's not but, the way I anticipated you getting there, Tom, but sure enough, I got you back on the bandwagon and believing in this thing again. Not, oh, not four weeks not, removed from our original conversation about this. I told you, Tom, I told you you're going to get sucked back in again. You said you wouldn't get sucked, and here you are now. No, I said I want to hero. No, I want to see, I want to see them prove something. Uh, and I'm not. I don't have the level of excitement and buy-in because I think anything that they get done this year will wind up being more a case of kind of accidentally backing into something than actually having a very intelligent, well-thought-out, and well-executed plan. They have fumbled the execution of this plan in so many ways. Um, You know, you know, they, they, they went after Randy Gregory, which was the smart thing to do. And just for ridiculous reasons, had it blow up in their face. Then they went out and, you know, Stephen Jones tried the old three for one switcheroo uh, idea on everybody. Well, yeah, that, that will be purely because they had to do something at that point. Uh, So I, I just, I'm, I'm not excited because this the the front office has not shown that they really are able to get it done. Any success that they have in the draft, I will mostly give to Will McClay and more so to the coaching staff, and I will give it to Jerry and Stephen Jones. Uh, thankfully, they've learned to sit down and shut up during the draft and let McClay guide what the team is doing. Uh, that may be the one intelligent thing they're really, whether they're actually admitting it to themselves or not, they've kind of grasped that it's better when they don't have their fingers all over it. 
you know, just kind of step back and let somebody who really knows that keyboard play the melody. So that's, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be excited because, uh, as I said, I, there will always be an, a bigger element of luck and happenstance to any Cowboys success this year than you should be having. You know, all teams have to get lucky, but the Cowboys are having to depend on it a lot. And any success kind of comes in spite of themselves in some ways. I got to tell you, Tom, to be fair, that's pretty loaded against the Cowboys, right? If they have success, it's because they lucked into it and backed into it. And if they don't, it's because they clearly had a poorly executed plan. How do they win in that scenario in your mind? Well, as first off, let me clarify. It's against the Jones family. Okay. Is a team. It's Fair. against them. And the way they win. That's not is, as, some, fan base. as somebody said, is McCarthy goes rogue or the players just suck it up and decide to, to take it under, under their belt. You know, there is a historical precedent for that, which is the Barry Switzer Super Bowl. Switzer was doing a horrible job as a head coach and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith and others just took it on themselves. And they really ran that team in the final, in the most, in the last Super Bowl win for the Cowboys. There may have to be a little bit of that this year. And they have Dak Prescott, who I think can do that. As much as we may question uh, how valuable he is in the larger NFL scheme of things. I think Ezekiel Elliott brings some of that to the table. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see Micah Parsons definitely stepping up into that role. He became a leader last year, and now he's going to be well-established. So, uh, No one and, else in the locker room to beat him in chess now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's uh, that'll be. I want to be interesting to see if they have a new new rivalry build up over the chessboard this year. But we won't be able to watch it uh, on hard knocks like we did last season. So. Yeah, we we won't be watching any of it because it's the Detroit Lions, and there are barely any storylines that anybody cares about there in Detroit. But oh, uh, but they've got Dan Campbell. That's probably going to be worth tuning in. Anyhow. Boy, that will be uh, the sound bites on Twitter will be flowing fast and hard uh, so that will be something to look forward to but again we'll see how the cowboys play a lot of options for them as we wind up closer to the nfl draft and again we're going to have full three-day coverage on the blog and the boys podcast network the youtube channel go ahead and subscribe to that now so you'll get the alerts as we go live all night long on Thursday and then Friday and Saturday as well. We will have live broadcasts for you. Tom will be a part of that. I will certainly be a part of that as well. And our esteemed leader, RJ Ochoa, going to be anchoring it, holding it down. And the man has the absolute stamina of a camel. I don't know what he does when he needs to go to the bathroom during these YouTube shows with you guys. Cause I've watched a few of them and he never seems to get up, but um, he does a fantastic job as all you guys do. And I can't wait to be a part of it. And we hope you guys will be a part of it as well. Listening out there. So Tom, anything to leave the folks with? No, just, uh, it, the draft is not far off now. And then, then we'll get the real lull before training camp. So 
If you see a trade you like the Cowboys to make or one that you think fits, hit us up with it. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, at Tom Ryle BTB, at Roy White, uh, excuse me, at RW3 on Twitter. That's Tom Ryle. I'm Roy White. Stay riled up on the Cowboys. We'll see you next Thursday. <laughs>